Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our sermon today will be the epistle reading that you heard from 1 Peter just a moment ago. What is your purpose? What is it that you were made for? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I know that I have, and and I know that oftentimes when we answer this question, we do so from a perspective of gifts, from a perspective of skills and abilities. For example, if I'm a big, broad-shouldered guy, well, then I must be built for football. If I'm really talented with words, well, I must be made for writing. If I'm really nurturing, well, then I must be made to be a mother. And the list goes on and on and on. Does this sound familiar to you at all? As you hear those words, does it resonate with you? I know that that over the course of my life, I have answered this question differently. Fifteen years ago, if you had asked me this, I would have said unequivocally that I was made to be a fireman. In fact, if I introduced myself to you, my given name of Lawton and the title of fireman were almost inseparable. I absolutely loved the job, helping people in need, the adrenaline rush of ducking through that doorway with the smoke and fire rolling out over my head. It was awesome. And I would tell you, that's what I and made for. At the time, I really felt that was who I was. But I was wrong. No matter how good it felt, I was setting myself up for failure, brothers and sisters in Christ. And why is that? What exactly is the problem with that way of thinking? Well, If you're good at football, if you view that as the thing that you were made for, what happens when it's taken away? Chaucer wrote, or at least this is attributed to him, that all good things must come to an end. And that is true of so much in life. So senior year, when that clock ticks down to zero on the last game, then what? If you're not playing in college, it's the end. If you've conditioned yourself to think that this is the thing that I am made for, what now? If you're a stay-at-home mom and that youngest kid moves out of the house and your identity has been wrapped up entirely in your kids and your role as mom, what now? What's next? Brothers and sisters in Christ, don't you see, and it's, you know, in the words of the band Switchfoot, we were made for so much more. When we live in a way that roots our purpose, that, that roots our identity in our gifts and in our abilities, in those activities that we're involved in, then we only wind up chasing the things that the world has to offer. And that can be even true of us here in church. 
We can serve in this place. We can even root our purpose and our identity in the thing that we're actually doing here. And it can seem good. It can feel good. It can even be to the benefit of other people. But then what? What happens when it ends? When football's over, when the kids move out, when my time on this committee is over, when my time in this career has come to a close. I have two words for you. Existential crisis. We wind up asking, what am I made for? What's my purpose now? Because if those things were your purpose, if those were the things that gave your life meaning, then what, what are you left with when they're taken away? A void. A chasm that has to be filled with something else. This world is temporary. The things in it are fleeting, even if they don't seem so. And you and I, you and I were made to live for so much more. So much more, brothers and sisters in Christ. And so what if I told you today that I have the answer to your existential crisis? What if I told you that your purpose, that thing that you were made for, it transcends all of these different things that you're involved in in your life? This struggle that you have at the end of high school, when you're entering the career field, or maybe when you're leaving the career field. It's bigger than all of those things. And in our epistle reading from 1 Peter chapter 4, we find it. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. You are made to glorify God. That's it. That's the thing. And you can do that in your career. You can do that on the field. You can do that in your home. So long as you really get that that is actually your purpose in life, that that's why God has created you as his unique unrepeatable miracle to love and serve him by loving and serving all of those people that he placed in your life. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about his creation. And that's bigger than anything else you can dream up in your entire life to make your purpose. It transcends all of those things. And then, then when that last season is over, when the last kid moves out, when the season's over, when that last kid moves out, when your career is over, instead of finding yourself in some crushing existential crisis, you find yourself moving into a new season of ministry and life. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't grieve that which is lost. God created us with emotions, and so we can feel sorrow and we can grieve when that transition happens. I, 
I know that there's days that I certainly do miss being a fireman. But rooted in our true purpose, we aren't so devastated by that transition that we're unable to move on. Glorifying God in all things, that's something that Jesus did for you and for me. Even though he didn't have to leave the comfort of heaven, he did. Even though he didn't have to become the sacrifice for sin in our place, he did. In all of the things that he did, he glorified his Father in heaven. When his own people rejected him, he glorified God. He knew that in taking on flesh, his whole job was to glorify his Father in heaven. And he did this perfectly for us. His submission to the will of the Father led him all the way to the cross. His submission to the will of the Father brought you and me hope and a future. And so where we fail time and time again to glorify him, we now stand forgiven. His redeemed people imperfectly living to glorify him. So what does that look like? How exactly is it that we, that we do this glorifying God? First, as believers in Christ Jesus called to faith in him, we have to know who we are, and that is his forgiven children, and whose we are. Sons and daughters of the Most High God, the creator of all things. You are marked in baptism as his forgiven child. He says to you, you are mine. Second, we really have to understand why it is that we're here. And 1 Peter reminds us that we are stewards, we're caretakers of God's gifts. Speaking, serving, showing hospitality, we do this not for ourselves, but for Him. Essentially, spending our lives pointing others to Him in all of the things that we do, in all of the things that we say. Third, Third, we're reminded of this as we daily fix our eyes on him. And that's something that's easier said than done, but we do this through time in his word, through time in prayer, regularly spending time there, talking to our Father in heaven. As he reminds us about his love for us, as he reveals to us more about himself and his plan for our lives. And through this, we also realize more and more that daily walk of repentance that we live in as Christians. His forgiveness falling over us where we've glorified ourselves. And then our desire to glorify him more and more in our lives. And finally, do the best of the things that he's called us to do. Football player, writer, fireman, mom, whatever it is he has called you to do, 
Do it to the best of the abilities that he has given you. Because when your identity, when your purpose is rooted in Christ Jesus and not in the things of this world, then you can actually glorify him in those things. And you can be a witness, especially in the times when those things are taken away. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if there is anything or if there is anyone in your life that is more important to you than God, it's an idol. It's an idol. You're then going to wind up glorifying that thing above him. And when it goes away, because one day it will, you will be devastated. But if he is first in your life, if he is above those things, then any of those things can be taken away. And though we may grieve at their loss, you will be steadfast in who you are and in your purpose, rooted in Christ, glorifying him in everything that you do. Those words that were attributed to Chaucer that all good things must come to an end is true of nearly everything in life. But not God's love for you. Not God's love for his creation. That is unending. That is steadfast. That will never change. Brothers and sisters in Christ, root yourself in the love of Christ. Find your purpose and meaning in glorifying him. And as you do that in all of the things in your life, when those seasons change, you'll find that his love for you, his forgiveness, the hope and the future that we have in him never does. And so we go from here, glorifying God in everything, now and in eternity. Amen. And now, may the peace that passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.